sometimes you get a shit can of sleeves. Um, All right, yep. Are we, yeah, we're live. Yeah, dude. I we're live. That. Very good. My Morrissey shirt. This is from uh, my buddy Bruce, uh, who plays in. You remember Living Sacrifice, Christian yeah. like yeah, death metal band? He was on Ship Rock, right? Correct, correct. And uh, he's got a thing called Man Made uh, merch. So they do some Morrissey stuff. So he sent. He knew I was a big fan. I love the Moz because he's such a he's such a pious faced controversial asshole. But I love him. I love the Smiths. Yeah, so I always love the whole that's just Grand Doys, like like huge world tour. As soon as he gets like the Hollywood Bowl or some other like iconic venue, he just goes crazy, Can cancels the tour, cancels everything. Yeah, an hour before doors, just kind of one of those things. It's like you know, I'm not feeling it, and that one of those kind of guys. And it, you know what? And it's like, not that he's he has the carte blanche to do that. <laughs> at some point, they'll just stop booking you because every artist, as much as they say they don't, they need the states. This is where you make your real money. Well, the other thing too, like the blatant disregard for the crew lives, right? Like it, it is kind of, and here's the thing, like I obviously the artists, the reason why you, you, that person has a job at that time is because of the artists. So it's their mm -hmm. world you're living in, but yeah. you do have a duty to protect your entire group, if that makes sense. Well, you have a duty also to protect people on the ground. I mean, obviously, a lot of buildings goes into union buildings, and those guys aren't going to walk away empty. And so, what, what did you do? You just, screwed over the promoter and a lot of times it's going to be someone like oh, live nation or ag with the unions and all that stuff. oh dude you're, you're yeah uh, so he's costing he's costing someone a couple hundred thousand dollars you know and it's not like he's going to go all oh, make up the date he's not that generous a person okay he's just not it's I'll just off the back. slate yeah. yeah yeah he'll just <laughs> off the slate so there's a lot of lessons old uh mr Moz has has to still learn but you know hey what are you gonna do he's iconic now you just did an interview too today too, right? Yeah, this, we were just speaking before we went live here. Yeah, I just talked with Danny Zalisco, who's a legend promoter out of the Arizona area. And it's funny, he grew up in Chicago. Real quick backstory. He grew up in Chicago. As a young kid, he used to go to uh, the Bears practice or games and practice games. And back then there was no agents, there were no handlers. So he befriended, of all people, Brian Piccolo oh, and wow. Gil Sayers. Song, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, he befriended them and they became buddies and they would go to dinner together. And again, this is a 12, 13 year old kid dealing with this guy who just like was basically Piccolo was just one of these no name college drafts. Right. Yep. And he got to that position by default. And then him and Sayers had this thing. So he had a relation, long time relationship with Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. And then uh, one of his other best friends is Ernie Banks. Wow. Mr. Mr. Cub. And uh, yeah, and it's just one of those things where like he's this young, tenacious kid who loved to get this stuff signed. And then he found a way to, because back then in the day, these guys needed to wait, made, make extra money. So he would get them to go, like as a 14-year-old kid, like book them to go to like uh, like a boys club or like a YMCA and sign autographs and talk to people. And the YMCA would pay them like $200. And that was a huge amount of money right. for these, for these for like even Ernie Banks to make $200 to go spend three hours talking to kids. So he did that and then went to visit California, went to Paradise Valley after that, drove through as he got older. And he's like, he realized he wasn't going to be a baseball player. And I said, well, why didn't you try sports management? Because they didn't have managers back then. That's an 80s thing, a late 70s, 80s thing, right? You got to remember, these, he was saying that George Hallis, if a, if, a, if a young receiver would have come into the locker room with his agent, Hallis would have kicked him off the team. So – 
it was just one of those really cool so he's got this wide history so then he goes to arizona realizes there's no one in the area booking there's one guy and he basically goes in there and sets up shop in arizona takes eleven thousand dollars in 1973 and stretches that out over a, a year to basically book acts eleven thousand dollars dude eleven thousand dollars when you get your third tier support for now some of these tours Right. But he was getting, and he just started establishing relationships. So as someone who was in a, a kid from the concerts, going to concerts in the 70s, I paid attention to those little things like who the producer was on the top of the ticket header. Because years later, I used to go see, like when I saw Zeppelin, it was like an Eaton Page production. And it was put on by this guy, Danny Eaton, and his partner just happened to be Jimmy Page, not the Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page, right. Texas guy. Well, you know, 30 years later, I'm working for Danny. He's my boss at AEG. So it's just, so to go back and think about Danny and think about all he's done and all these names he worked in, I'm just, you're just following his life pattern. And he did it all independently until he sold. And now he's back independent again and still being able to work enough shows to where he's having a really, has his team, a successful life. But it's all, dude, it, really the conversation today comes down to relationships. The relationships he built up with the Grateful Dead um, with people like Chef Gordon, oh, you know, yeah. there's like the most important people in his life, you know. So he has these relationships with Clapton, Jeff Beck, and all these guys. Uh, obviously, Live Nation will sign big checks to you too, so he can't have the relationship anymore. But he, again, I, I, one of those guys you just kind of go, I mean, dude, like I said, I wasn't nervous. I was never nervous talking to like Halford or Robert Plant or any of those guys. They're just, they're artists to me and I can talk to them. But when you talk to someone who you're in that game, but he's right. at a, such a much higher level at this point, And you're like going, Oh my God, this guy's history is like that. His history totally amazes me. Plus all just dealing with like uh, the seventies, any sense of any damage you're going to have, whether it's just like, you know, uh, not addiction, perhaps, but people around him being in those things. And like a lot of tragedies befall them um deaths and everything like that like again a lot of bad people with bad health in the business that were friends of his they lost and how you overcome that and you bury yourself in work um so yeah man just it was a great fucking way to start the week let's put it that way what is your process for whether it's a Mickey ways podcast guest or like an interview like bruce or uh taylor Bumpson, well, what's your process for like do you have to obviously you know the person but do you put down kind of like central themes you want to cover and let it well this right this now. interview with danny was about his book he just put a book out called all x excess okay, so, okay awesome yeah so that was basically a 450 page book and i blew through it in two days because it, it, it caught you know i i was looking forward to the book anyway but then to read it and going okay i'm gonna be talking to this guy on monday and reading it like on thursday friday last week just burning man. It, it, it just gets stuck in my brain and I basically know the questions to ask and my questions relate from everything about like how he's building relationships as a young child with these iconic sports figures to how, did that help him like ease into like dealing with like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and dealing with Roger Waters because also too dude to fast forward he made a lot of good points in the book were about like he showed the very softer side of people like Roger Waters, Axl Rose, Chuck Berry these people are like hard edge on the front, you know, they're opinionated people. Um, and he just kind of broke down how he understood these people, like to get to they, where they've had to get in their lives. It's a tough haul. Right. And it makes right. you armor plated to where you seem like a prick. 
And that's just, but it's like anyone, dude, you and I can seem like a prick to people, even though we're not, but until you talk to us and it's like, oh, they're super cool. They're super nice. We'll do everything for you. And that's that situation. But um, with him, I was just asking the questions I would ask, um, like, what's the path forward? Do you need a radio hit these days in order to sell tickets or can you just be a legacy act? And he talked about, yes, it helps to have a single um, because but then because it, then he goes, he had a conversation like last week with Stevie Nicks. And she said, why should I ever make another record? Record company is not going to support it. Radio won't play it. So he's talking about trying to break up the monopoly of like all the radio stations like iHeartMedia and going back to like actual albums. And I, I said, well, you know, it is kind of in a very small way. It's very enlightening to know that children and kids, teenagers are buying vinyl because they're, engra- they're engaging yep. with the record now that we used to when we were on like AM radio when you can hear track seven on deep cut because uh, everything was so free form radio. And he goes, well, I don't know about that because I don't really go into people's houses. And I said, it's so funny. It's like, I just lucky if I go in a house and people have a stereo these days, I said it, back in the seventies, it used to be like, that was the first piece of furniture you ever had was a stereo. Oh, you sleep on the four, floor. I, have four of them. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and even now, dude, I'm like, just give me a bed, a one chair to sit in. I don't need a couch and a stereo. And I'm, I'm, I'm good to roll. But man, just really good. And he was just one of those things like, man, this business is really about, and he goes, he goes, I was talking too much one time and some, one of the artists I really revered, I can't remember who it was said, boy, <laughs> son, you know why you have two ears, one mouth? Cause you have to listen more. Oh, yeah. And he says nowadays people want to interject in conversations. They want to listen to you. And that's where he ran to a live nation is that basically you've got all these like people they brought in, they've replaced brought in goes, I wouldn't trust them to be runners. no, nevertheless running a region in my region that I work and they don't even listen to me. And so it was just really insightful what he had to say about everything. And just kind of like one of those things is like, they say, never meet your, your heroes. I'm like, bullshit on that. I said, everyone I've met has always been cool with me because they treat you as you approach them. Right. You're mature, respectful of them, who they are. They'll be cool with you. So to hear him and have that conversation with him and have some good laughs, meant the world to me, man. It's like, fuck. I, I, I could have shit the bet on that interview. I really could have just been like jibber-jabber. Uh, but no, I was just like, he said that right honestly. You know what? I'm going to step back. I'm going to, because he can talk, man. You ask him a question. It's like, because I was like, man, I said, curious, you're curious. I said, I want your opinion. I said, why is the legacy of the Grateful Dead so vast? Because musically, I don't hear anything. Right. He said, well, it's, it's not about that. He said, the real success of them is how they communicate with their fans early on. Like if you want to take us to a show, you just wrote in a letter. You wrote letters in to get the tickets, right? right? So they created, they, they, were, they, were, they, dude, they were Twitch and Cameo 40 years ago, yeah. 50 years ago. So he says they were early about engaging with their audience. And it happens is instead of creating this like shroud, uh, a band like that had to engage with their audience because that was the only way they could do it. They weren't going to be like Zeppelin and sell 20 million copies of an album and it be mysterious. Helps. It helps that they have 14 members to write letters to. Yeah, and that's the thing. Well, a lot of it actually went to Bob Weir was kind of the, the you oh, know, Jerry was, Jerry was the figurehead, but Bob Weir was really the business mind. And he's the one that kind of like forged that. And they had, you know, obviously they had great support around them. But, uh, and just talking to his early days, the first time he ever got, dude, is he went and worked in San Francisco to go work. And he snuck into the back of a Bill Graham Presents show. And some of the crews all thought that the guy, he worked for another band. Does he work for Yes? No, I don't. No, he's not with us. Who's he with? And Bill Graham grabbed him by the scruff of the neck while he's eating. And he's like, who are you? 
And he told me, I just kind of came in here, started working. He's like, all right, we'll go back to eating. And Bill Graham was so impressed with this young guy, had the balls to walk into his show and just start moving stuff and being part of the crew. And he goes, yeah. And now he, after that, like Bill Graham, one of those guys that like doesn't treat fools kindly. So he just, the kids showed chutzpah, he said. So he's like, you're a good bench. Stick with it. So, yeah. So just create those relationships when relationships like that were able to be created, man. They're really hard to make these days. Relationships are super hard to make at that level. Because, again, that was the beginning. That was really the, the start of the concert era. So well, I also don't think people realize that someone's always watching or listening is how mm -hmm. you present yourself at all times where you kind of get judged the most. Thousand percent. So just shut up, listen, and 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 it, it, when you say something, say something that's insightful or adds a conversation. And we, we tend, and I'm guilty as anyone, tend to move our mouths just to move our mouths sometimes because we feel like we we're so afraid of like those quiet pauses, like oh shit, should I say something or no? Maybe you should just shut your fucking mouth and let whatever happened just let it gestate for a little bit and then right. respond if you even need to respond. And then power keg out and destroy everyone in your path afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's that. Have you so, done the uh, COVID tracing thing? No, the you. I, it's funny you sent that to me because I was going to do it. I'm focusing on that one. And, I, you know, the, the health education services thing that we initially did last year, yep. they offer one now on the OSHA certification. I'm like, I got to get. So those are my two main things this week is to get those. I was like putting, you know, cause I'm doing like job search right now, resume, just till the business comes back, I got to do something. Right. Um, so I was like, I said, you know what, I'm going to put everything aside for looking for a job cause it's beating the shit out of me. And I'm going to put it into something I know I'll get results from put in eight hours of student studying. I'll get a certificate from it. So I'd rather just be productive this week instead of kind of just throwing stuff out into the air to get back. We're, we're looking at your resume after further. <laughs> it's right, another, further another, review, yeah, we, we decided to go in another direction. I'm like, all right, hey, all right, whatever. It's your right. choice. You, you fucked up, this, but this it's your choice. Toughest, I think that was the toughest online thing I've done. And I have my degree. I have all sorts of stuff. That was mm -hmm. because here's the thing. Like, you have to know what you're talking about. Because you go through, you have to see every slide, do all the stuff, and then you have to actually take the test. Well, if you don't pass it 85% twice, you have to wait 72 hours to take it again. And if you mess up again, another 72 hours. So they really hold you to the fire. I mean, I took notes. Like, it, like I actually feel like I learned a lot about contact tracing. And, yeah, it's geared towards COVID-19, but contact tracing is not going to change the next virus. No, no, no. The knowledge of this stuff, dude, I, I – I can't thank you enough for sending it over. Because when you sent it over, I'm like, God damn it, i got to keep up with Justin now. Son of a bitch. No, well, then you sent me the thing this morning and said, here's your certificate. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I'm looking for, like, the local fire safety course. No, I'm just 100%. looking for yep. – Yeah, I'm, I'm just so busy looking for things. And instead of going, wait a minute, I should just maybe slowly do these one at a time so I get them on my checklist and going – instead of going, okay, here's my list of 10 certifications i got to get – to do God knows what. I don't know what I'm going to do with that shit. I just know I want to have it because you can just put it on your resume and then when people come calling or looking for like people, like he's got everything we fucking need well, and he's not an I, asshole, I, so I let's hire him. I think promoters like Live Nation, AEG, a lot of these tours, are gonna, they're going to have to put someone on there, whether it's a promoter cost or tour cost, but someone that is basically a department head for COVID-19. 
Well, okay, that's one of the things that live production summit from a week and a half ago that Chris Musgrave had was talking just about that. And they were talking about like the, the larger tourists can probably carry someone, you know, a three or four buser. But if you're a single bus tour or you're two going down to one, you can't save, you can't have a bunk for someone who's doing COVID. You'll need so, a venue person specifically for venue, venue or the promoter, the quite honestly, the promoter should have someone on staff who's a COVID person. And, you know, they may do other things, double dip and stuff and like, you know, cut the workload down, but they're going to need to be there from an hour before load in to an hour after load out. Oh, and, and the thing is, they, and I always tell people like, well, the crew, your crew should be COVID compliant only not because they're going to have to do it, but they need to know that when someone, and you know, these, these texts, man, they get real, they get real feisty about their space. Oh. They need to know if someone's coming into their space, there's a reason why. And if they already know why that guy's coming over, they don't get alarmed or like get as defensive about it. It becomes a, like an ego thing. Like, hey, look, man, I'm just here to make sure you guys have this show tonight. Because if I don't check off on this, it ain't happening. Yeah. So having a crew guy on tour, unless you've got an extra bunk and the extra whatever amount of money it's going to cost a month just for that guy who doesn't do any or girl. I must add that. That's not going to do anything else but that then you're yeah you're gonna have to make sure the promoter so if you're a theater or club band you better make sure the promoter or the of the venue has someone and that shouldn't be your line item that like take off like five hundred dollars for this you know right it but, shouldn't it shouldn't be in there they, they, don't make sure they don't sneak it into sound and lights or whatever make sure that's its own separate thing right but it goes back to you and i've always talked about since the onset of this pandemic that uh, why is the tour manager or his, why don't you get the certificates of training? Cause you could be these people to help your tour. Well, uh, making sure the tour managers. Well, like people like on tour, if you're touring, you can get these certificates too. Like I, I told all the people in the shutdown camp, Hey, at least production and stage manager and whatever become COVID compliant officers. And then this other stuff, like why wouldn't you get this extra training? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay, so, yeah, because obviously you want the, the it's it's ideal to have someone on the tour who's recognizable with with everyone to be the person doing it. My, my thing is this, okay, well, who's checking off on you? Is there a local saying? Is there a local rep saying, okay, well, we've done this, we've done this. I mean, I mean, I, that's the thing. Is like, I, is this just basically an honor system of like, yeah, we've got a guy on staff and he's checking our stuff and. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I I think. It's going to be a lot of be honor system in terms of policing your own. But like mm -hmm. the last run, Smith and Byers, there was venues I met the people from the mayor's office or had to sign paperwork before and after that. Yeah. Uh, the processes of coming in, anyone detained at the doors, not detained, but hey, temperature hits and stuff like that. Like all that's part of the deal now I have to deal with. Um, well, the funny thing though, dude, is this. Well, we're talking about it in a sense that like, we're talking about someone who's on a crew or doing behind the stage, backstage, on stage, yep. bus, catering, the, the venue, back venue. Who's handling and doing that stuff in the front of the house with the thousand people out there? Yeah, no, it's, it's, you're, you're 100% correct. All the venue crew, I mean, listen, if you're running a house, if you're running a house in Blues, if you're the GM, if you're, your hall, event security, everyone has to be COVID compliant. They have to. They just, it's, it sucks. And you know what? It's like, Cover the cost or like, you know, write, write that in. I mean, it's going to cost them 50 bucks to learn this course, understand what it is. And I'm not saying mark off the floor with tape, like a hundred thousand X's on the floor, but understand what it is, you know, because right. the more people that are certified, the less hassle you're going to get from people. Correct.
you know? So, yeah, so that's interesting. Speaking of uh, Shine Down and touring, Smith & Myers, man, sell out that May tour. That's amazing. You, yep. When you posted that, dude, I was like, and then we reposted it on the Silver Spear thing. It's just like, they're doing, it's just like, it shows a, obviously these guys are, are they're, the word of mouth about the shows, even in this client climate is amazing. Yep. And their fans are dedicated. And they're playing reasonable size halls for who they yeah, are. I mean, I mean, that would clear within two days. Um, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's so, and it's so funny because it just shows it can be done. And it, it can be done if you have the type of people like, like Brent and Zach that are willing to do it. Oh, no. It's, it, here's the thing, too. Like, some of those venues are, before COVID, 3,000 cap. Well, they sold it out of 1,500 people. And the, those numbers mm -hmm. are only going to go up now. Because yeah. states are opening up, mandates are being lifted. CDC came out today with, if you've had your vaccine, you're old, you can hang out with your grandkids now. You don't need to wear masks near people that haven't had their vaccine. Well, so, yeah. So. Then they say though, if you if you also so the counterpoint that is like even if you've got the vaccinated twice, you still have to wear a mask. That's the CDC. I don't ever know is that a mandate or they just recommend. I don't. They. I don't. None of these mandates are laws. They. None of this stuff. You can never get a ticket for any of this stuff. That's why yeah. people back in the day when you shut. Your it's just a out, shaming, okay. isn't it? It's just a public shaming, isn't it? Well, here's the thing. If two masks work great, wouldn't three work better? Like, so if you're gonna keep going down this bullshit, no, it's just shut up. If you're wearing three masks, you know what they gotta have? They gotta have someone with like the the. On ball. staff, yeah, EMT, who's going to basically resuscitate you once you have a friggin' coronary or heart attack because you can't breathe properly and you're not getting blood's not pumping to all your extremities and you're like, oh my god! I, I think they're going to put Sharpie DNR on that first mask. <laughs> that's right. Give me my DNR mask. Um. So yeah, no, dude. So I think that's a massive thing that those guys did it because it's uh it's a way forward. And you and I, I mean, we talked about it and that they're falling. And the winter tour is just like they're killing it, and regardless of how weird and the lack of vibe, it doesn't matter because they're still putting on a show like they're playing to twenty thousand in well, a full arena. You know, like you saw the one in what the Houston, Dallas, Houston pods type thing. But we've done cold as balls, indoor. but still fun. We've done, mm -hmm. yeah, no, we, we, it's just, so it's just a different variation, proper drive-ins and stuff. So it's yeah, they uh, they. They put their decks out there for it. The reception's been great, and uh, there'll be more shows, so it's great. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, uh, you know, and the, the thing is, is like, I was, we're all waiting for uh, the band, the proper, the proper, uh, you know, the whole shine well, down. They uh, we, I mean, they just announced one show at Soaring Eagle in August with uh, Shine Down, Theory of a Dead Band, and Pop Evil. They, they show, they're going to happen. This shows like they're going to start doing these shows this summer, so it's all. Like, do you think that are there going to be social? Are there going to be protocols put in place, or just like uh, it's twenty eighteen yeah, again? I, I honestly think some of these states will like. I, you're probably going to get like seventy percent of the states are allowed to do your normal shows with uh, sanitizing stations or yeah certain exit inter, like egress line directional stuff. But and then you got to skip some states that are overly whether it's California, Washington State, uh, Michigan. Or, Certain cities you're gonna have to avoid because of whatever the leadership in place. But I honestly, man, I think by May first, this country's ready to go. Oh, I mean, it's been ready to go for a long time. Massachusetts, uh, other than they're gonna allow or oh, what twenty five percent of the Fenway Park, and we're a Democratic state. Uh, we're at phase three, part two, or whatever part two, or whatever we're at. So it's just like people, honestly, man. It's, here's the thing: I'm not taking away from. 
the the impact this virus has on people and families and all that. But if you don't, no one's making you go to these shows or sporting events or go to church or go grocery shop or whatever, be safe, be smart. And I would treat this the same with the normal flu, where if I feel sick, I'm not going to go out in public and get other people sick with the flu. It's common courtesy, well, self-respect. Well, up. dude, how many people, like, they don't, a lot of people don't want the shows to happen unless they can go because they got the fear of missing out thing, right? Like, right. well, if I, I don't feel safe going, well, then don't go. Well, I want to go, but I don't want to go. And I'm like, you got to either go and roll the dice or you got to just stay home and, and you stick, you stick to whatever it is you, your, your mentality says to do. Uh, but don't sit there and get in the way of people who are ready to go out and do something and have some fun and have that pressure valve. And you're right, dude, you can't discount what's happened, but you know, I always talk, we always talk about the, just the virus itself. I'm like, let's think about the proportion of other side of all the things that have gone on because of this virus, whether it's depression, suicide, those numbers you never see. And they'll never show those numbers because I guarantee you, they would knock the death toll numbers probably out of the out of the box, you know. Yeah, they never talk about. It. They never. They want to. They don't want to talk about that. They just. You can't. You know. Because what do. You, how do you politicize that to what to your advantage? No, it's. Like, you know, we couldn't say the one point eight decided to take their own lives because of grief and they're depressed and they're 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 broke and they're debt and they owe. They're so far in the hole that this is their only way out. But at least we save these people. You know, it's yeah. just like. I've always thought it was weird this whole time where they'll show the death ticker or, or people that get it, but show the ticker where people recover and survive. Like, yeah, I yeah no, I, I'm so positive. I hate seeing the negative slant to this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, th yeah, dude. They're not about to show the people who got it, stayed laid low for two weeks, and then came out of it. They're not going to show that because there's no way to really measure it. Because there's no way to measure this because those, honor, those numbers aren't honest. Just bitches. Every one of them. <laughs> Speaking of bitches, so did you watch the uh, the royal? <laughs> lead into oh, today's International Women's Day. <laughs> no, nah, I love it. It's funny. I was thinking about that today, dude. I was working out, and so I was thinking about women. And you know, we always kind of make you know everyone always does yeah. the whole like masculine, macho, feminine yeah. thing. Um, I thought about the women in my life, and I there's been a few that have been some real doozies, but majority of women in my life are cool, strong speak their mind, tough as fucking nails, even though it might be my detriment at times, uh, great women. And you know, I can't think, I, through this, man, I was like, I have a lot of guy friends, but most of my close allies are women. And it's just like, I fucking love women. I'm glad that, I every day should be fucking women's day. I mean, listen, we always like, like you know, like Valentine's Day is like every fucking, if you're in love, and out of the day is fucking Valentine's Day, but like right. every day is women's day. I mean, is it just something else to hang the hat on? It's like anything. It's like, hey, how can we sponsor and like advertise this and market this thing? You Did know, you the Wendy's tweet today where they're they're doing an initiative where they're going to sponsor women uh, who work at their companies to get culinary degrees, like actual proper degrees. Well, the tweet that came went out today, legit, was women belong deserve to be in the kitchen. That was the tweet. <laughs> Saw that. I was just like, what the hell? I mean, it's so great. It's such a great gaffe, but I mean. And I think people still have a laugh at it. Um. <laughs> Wendy's. Fucking, fucking Wendy. Um, I know it's a woman doing it, so go figure. Um, right. But yeah, dude, man, you know what? Bully on them. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> Once International Mail Day. 
It's just naked dudes flexing. Well, yeah, I miss those them. international mail catalogs, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but dude, so last night I didn't watch it because I don't watch anything related to fucking idiots talking. But uh, old uh, Meghan Markle and uh, old oh. Prince Harry, Prince Harry, the Harry's been obviously basically muted. I been he's been yeah he's been castrated and muted. Yeah, uh, that whole it was just nothing but like what's that dude? Like you, you could tell she blinking so many times like the lies are just rolling out of her mouth like. And then you see photos. I love always things like when they do the shot and chaser. You know, you have like the Prince Philip and the Queen like welcoming their new baby and all that stuff. And then about a year later, also, oh, we felt marginalized because we were felt they were, were racist. I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, I, I know the Queen. Every, the general public's kind of. I'm not. Most people who do other things going on in their lives aren't freaking out. But the, there's certain a certain amount of people going. You know, Piers Morgan for sake's sake saying what a train wreck that is. And I know, I know, knowing who the queen is and her uh, temperament, she's just sitting there quietly watching it, not saying a word. There's a reason why she's tough as nails. I'm sure she will take care of this in her own special way. Yeah, it's the whole thing is just so weird. Like 17 million people watch that. It's just like, dude, you can't even watch. Uh, it's just, it just blows my mind what people are so drawn into that monarchy, that family. It's just like I you mean, know, it's funny. Seventeen million—that's still one million less than the people that watch Trump at CPAC. Well, now you can't watch <laughs> anymore because YouTube took it down. They took it down, yeah. But yeah, no, you're who right. are the who are the little skin need little kids over there running those shows? Take it down. Take He's it saying down. too many things. It's like shut oh up. Oh my god, dude. They never want that's the thing, dude. They those type never want the argument. And they're like, oh it's harmful. I'm like, what's harmful about speaking someone speaking their mind? It's you it's, know it's not Trump, it's uh Pepe Le Pew or Speedy Gonzalez or Dr. Sue. Yeah, well that's the dude that's a, that's the thing though. It's like all of those things all those things you just mentioned are basically they're just shiny little balls to put out there. And I, I concerned my friends. I'm like, man, stop putting your flag to die on these stupid little hills. Do you really care about Mr. Potato Head? Do you really care about Pepe Le Pew? Do you really, at the end of the day, you really care. The cartoons will still exist in their, in their current state, which is basically him just being a lover boy. Let them rant and rave. What happens, they have them chasing these little fireflies into the night. While the big picture things like them uh, signing a bill where inmates will now get stimulus money. You get stimulus money off money you lost. If you're in jail, you're not earning an income. Right. Why are you getting stimulus? So, you know, those are the big ticket items. That's what you should be hyper-focused on. That's what you contact your rep for. Not about like, oh, my God, they're, they're doing away with Dr. Seuss. Actually, that's Dr. Seuss's decision to get rid of those books. It wasn't some like Barnes & Noble. I think what set people off with the Dr. Seuss more so was that Amazon stopped selling the six that were considered whatever, yet they, uh -huh. still, sell, they still sell Mike Holmes. Uh, listen, I know it's just one of those we can what about ourselves into the ground. And that's what people do is like instead of being proactive and getting things done, a lot of conservatives are just sit there and like basically just talk about double standards. I'm like, make it a single standard. Go out and do something about it. This is why you always get beat in a culture war, because you're not being smart about it. You go chasing these little things instead of just focus on big right. ticket you items. You guys should have focused on election integrity as opposed to cartoons and books that you should not give two shits about. Right well, now. you can only do so much about election integrity when the Supreme Court won't listen to anything because they're so compromised. They don't know Yikes. what to do. They don't, dude. Yikes. I'm Thomas and Alito are probably going, really? We're stuck with this bunch? 
They just, it's just everyone's compromised on something, and I don't know what it is. I'd love to know what it is. We'll never find out. Yeah. But I, what I'm having a real treat with, and I won't, we won't, let's not beat the politics drum that hard. But the thing about the, you know, Biden is now supposed to give two speeches, and 30 seconds within, they lose their feed, the White House feed, the most, the most complicated, uh, well-built, like technical Correct. system, goes Correct. down every time he decides to speak. Yep. Why is this? Yeah, walk up. And no one questions. No one says a damn thing. No one's had, no one has anything to say about it. No. Yeah. Anyway. More bitches. Just crazy. What's been going on with you? How was your weekend? Man, super. I don't think like it was. It felt really busy, but it, it wasn't per se. I just think I've. we've got a lot of new uh, uh, festivals and uh, events coming through the security side. Uh-huh. So I've just I was just like going through invoicing and kind of putting together like uh, breakdowns of like different costs and stuff. But like I I just like the last like four days I've just been inundated with awesome type of uh, it's all great stuff. But I just felt like yeah. Uh, but then night you know last night I watched Lionheart with Van Damme because I wanted some fighting. Uh, but like it's uh, so I do that type of stuff. <laughs> Uh, where he fights that guy with a uh, cat, Attila. Uh, but no, I'm just like that type of stuff. I think at nighttime, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm just anxious with everything going on, but I can't sleep at night, man. Like, I'm, 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 here's the thing: I'm excited to wake up the next day. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think sleeping to me is like it's basically it's it's an inconvenience for me. I really, it's, I, can't, I don't know if I can shut my mind off. I I took a nap last night about eight o'clock because yesterday I went and volunteer with the dogs and then i picked up trash around the neighbor on the bayou which is part of that pick up your shit uh, initiative i'm trying yeah. to get and the more i think about it, i was like i'm going to be the initiative because quite honestly i i just can't imagine people around here getting involved in that maybe they may pick up around their garden but i can't see them like walking the park like i do with a bag and rubber gloves on picking up stuff they're gonna you, you know whatever cool t-shirt That'd be bad. Oh, I'm going to pick up a shirt that says pick up shit, and I'm just going to walk around with it and, and wear that. Maybe people will kind of like, you know, maybe I'll go, oh, is that pick up the shit guy? Um, You know, they want photos of me, whatever. So You must talk did to that. pigeons. You must talk to pigeons. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, um, so yeah, dude, I took a nap, and then I was working on getting prepared for this interview today with Zalisco, and then just worked on a couple other items. Um. And then I went in a rabbit hole. I love going on YouTube and watching like classical composers or people who are like, you know, uh, advanced kind of instrumentalists, like watch a video of a band or listen to a song and try to break it down. Like, dude, I kept watching this guy who's a, a is a symphony uh, composer breaking down Opeth songs. And just the reaction on their faces is like, how do these bands exist? Like, this is amazing. They're like blown away by the technicality and the, nuances and voices this one woman who's a who's a trained opera singer was like breaking down like you know some like Stephen Wilson's like that and she's like they just don't understand how like bands like th- th- this talent are so almost kind of marginalized they only I, belong to a small niche I don't know if I can I respect like bands like Opeth or Dream Theater or any of those type of like really out there bands but like I don't mm. I just don't I don't know if it's the I don't know what bothers me. It's not a a bad thing, but is it the lyrics or the music that can deter people from actually really jumping to that band? 
I think the lyrics, I, to, with me, it became, initially with Opeth, I was like put off a little bit by the growling. I'm not really big into the growling vocals. Okay, but so then, you, the but then you realize the nuance is that within that song, you're going to hear him go clean. And his clean voice is just is majestic. And you're like going, okay, I'm just going to treat that growl like another instrument instead of his voice. And when I, when I switched off and did that, I no longer paid attention to the growls. I knew they were coming and there's some people that still like the growls. At some point you just kind of musically advanced beyond that. And you want to hear the clean singing and instrumentation. Um, I think that, I think the fact that sometimes they can make songs last through the eight and nine minute things can oh, throw you because your attention, like every song's like, cause it's hard, man. You want to be inspired by your music. And what it is is most inspirational songs are like four minutes or less, right? You get the verse, chorus, hook, verse, chorus, hook. You're there. Right. Um, it, it, it's so it's that I, I think it takes a certain mood to be in. I mean, I don't, I don't like, like today. I, what did I listen to today? I listened to like ACDC for no, you know, I just, no reason. I like, I wasn't hankered for ACDC. The first thing on my playlist, I hit it and I was like, great. What I need like three minute songs about like chicks. Perfect. Right. I don't need, I don't need like, I don't need big like novellas, uh, of, of music. I don't need nine minutes about some guy walking through a, 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 a shrouded forest, which I love. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, I just didn't need that today. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's mostly an evening thing for me, a very quiet thing. When I just put the headphones on, I'll listen to that music because I can really take in all the parts and really appreciate it. But so I went down that rabbit hole, dude. And all I know is I looked up at like my clock and it was like four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, how the fuck am I not like dead on the floor asleep? And I even drank, I did like drank wine. I took melatonin. I was up. I was like, <laughs> That nap, dude, the nap, the, the nap did me in. It did me wrong. I should have held out. But then last night I started going through all of my concert stuff, all my memorabilia, because I'm going to start selling this stuff, dude. I need to start selling this stuff because it's clutter. And I can't remember the last time I wore some of this stuff or if I ever wore it. I'm like, I got to sell it. So I'm trying everything on, make sure I got to get rid of it. And so, yeah, there's one of those evenings, man. You're I just like all, all over the map. So, yeah. So if you have any old docket T-shirts, I'll take them. Nah, dude, I don't really have anything anything like that. I, I, I wouldn't keep a docking shirt. Um, it's not modern stuff either. It's just kind of like everything from Zach Sabbath to whatever. I don't, I don't know what I have in there. Oh, okay. just, got, oh, gotcha. a lot of it, a lot of a lot of old soccer kits. Like I don't support oh, really nice. Arsenal. I don't support some of these. I just used to collect kits. Now I'm like, well, I'm going to keep the ones that band that the the, uh, the team I actually support. Get rid of these others. Maybe someone else will enjoy it, and I'll make a few bucks. Um, yeah, dude, so just going through stuff, getting my taxes all squared away, and passport. My passport uh, ends up – it's 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 re needs to be renewed by June, so I'm trying to get ahead of that. Yep. You know, it's busy. Adult shit. Adulting sucks. That's garbage. When I want to just child. So speaking of adulting, so uh, I watched this – a couple of documentaries. I've been watching a lot of rock documentaries. One, American Valhalla. It's not, it's with, not as cool uh, as you may say. With uh, Iggy Pop and uh, the guy from... Yeah, uh, I wasn't a big fan of the record. I was like, I'm not a big fan of Iggy Pop's voice. I respect who he is, and he's got a really cool outlook, but I was never a Stooges fan. I mean, I, I yeah, know I, who they I are. And I, his voice. It's so crazy how people are just like... I don't know yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mind his voice on his like late... His mid-80s solo records were actually really good, and I liked some of the stuff he did with Bowie in Berlin, but like the early studio stuff, it's just kind of raucous stuff. I mean, yeah. I like the MC5 more because they were more musical. But um, 
So watching that at home, I love home. I wasn't a big Caius fan, but I, I do like some parts of the Queens of the Stone Age, but I like him. I like when he speaks. He's very intelligent, very measured. Um, I love the fact that he kicked a photographer in the face. I said that makes gives me such joy, actually, because some of those people need kicking down the pit. Yeah, whatever happened with that, he has a pace off that I bet. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Anyway, so the, just the, the idea, the, the documentary was very, almost felt like really somatic. Yep. Uh, cinematic. And it just, it was such a great documentary. So I recommended a few people who I know no one like don't like those bands or, or act, but they like, I said, just watch it for just like the discussion and understanding of the creative process and what they're going through and this and that. Now, really, this was about Josh and the Queens guys and a couple other guys really celebrating Iggy Pop and him giving him another chance to be on a platform that he much reached, you know, he deserved. So that was cool. And then the, the filmage stuff, the Descendants thing. I love this fucking Descendants. What a great band. Uh -huh. I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a documentary. I'm just kind of flipping through my Amazon Prime. I go, what the fuck is that? Watch it. Amazing. What a great story. I watched the uh, the Chicago documentary like two weeks ago. Dude. Dude. I, I dude. love dude. that. Man. Dude, those side stories. Dude. Like, take, dude. Take Terry Kath, man. Terry Kath. <laughs> One bullet in the chamber ends their fucking. It's insane. Uh -huh. Do that, and then you realize how big a prick Peter Sotiri is. Oh, oh. <laughs> and then, dude, and I, you know what? You got to watch it. I don't know if you watch it. I, the biggest prick in the business who I love is David Foster. Yes. What a, what an ego. But he's earned, well earned, I guess, for what he's done, right? But he's like, he knows his shit. If they had, uh, I mean, like you can't because the Eagles had their issues. Obviously, like a band like them that ha obviously has the hits, but if they had less ego per se or drama like that, how big could that band have been? Chicago? Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, think about how massive they were. They were, they were doing forty thousand people oh, stadium and, shows right. during during the hype. Great. And, and it's so funny, dude. As I, I was just talking to someone the other night because we were talking about that very thing, and I say, you know, it's so funny now. Like a band, if a band sells five hundred thousand albums and like you know has a song or two out and they can do an arena, it's a big deal, right? It's a massive yeah. deal. Those guys were putting out a record a year, and they were selling five to eight million. They were doing, I don't even want to know how much they were doing as far as ticket sales for shows. That was a big. Now that's a big deal when your albums are going like quad oh. platinum out of the box, and it's so funny to realize that like you know. It's like most of the band hated doing like the acoustic ballady shit, but it was those things that put them back on the map when they were kind of losing the steam. Fascinating documentary, dude. Just the players involved how they had that like how that producer who kind of fucked them over had that big ranch and they went out and did drugs and it was like Sodom and Gomorrah out there, and then they played in the afternoon to practice. Just amazing story, dude, and, and just Seeing bands like guys like Irving Azoff coming coming in and help resurrect their career, because yeah. they were dying, they were dying on a vine, man. But I love, you know, I love, I love the fact that the brass section is stuck together, and those guys are so into it. Uh -huh. The brass section is the best part of your band. Now, I would love. Correct me if I'm wrong. I love this one made yet, but I would love a uh, a documentary with uh, Huey Lewis and the News. It's got to be coming. It's got to be coming. Man, the one, uh, I'm so, he, he kind of stepped away because he had that hearing issue like uh, the yeah. singer. But he actually had the same type of procedure, I think, is actually released a new single or album a couple months ago. That Dude, I just love doing that. You hear that, or like growing up for me, my parents were the cassette players in the car. It was you know, like Huey Lewis or like Jay Giles. You always felt good. 
It was, yeah. That, that music band is timeless. Well, dude, it's so funny. Is like before we put out sports oh. and then four. So it's sports, sports and four Iconic games. album cover. Oh, the, the jacket over the thing. At the, at the, <laughs> just classic. <laughs> so, dude, they had them out. I forgot the name of it. Someone maybe be able to help at some point. Uh, it had, But they had the song Working for the Week, Working for a Living. On yes. It. That was like the big breakout single that kind of got people in, into it. Uh, Yui's story is fantastic because to know that the history he had with like Phil Lynott from Thin Lizzy. Yep. And he was really involved in the European and like, that whole UK rock scene for like the longest time before he came back to the States and went to San Francisco. But his story is fantastic. And I love, I would love to hear how his career really in a lot of ways was resurrected by American Psycho. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. I have a great story about Yui Lewis. So my brother growing up, my brother, used to have some pretty, I, he, I used to have to go when I was a kid, collect hundreds of bottles to get tickets, like to buy, to get six bucks so I could buy a ticket. Well, the only way I was going is my brother would drive me. Before my dad at some point was, you know what, I'll take you and you don't have to buy your brother a ticket. I'll just drop you out the door. I trust you enough as a 12 year old to go in that arena, see the show and come out. You know, you're a military kid. You've been around the world. You know how to do it. So before that, my brother would go, he goes, well, I'll drive you. I'll go, but you have to buy the ticket. I'm like, dude, I'm eight. I'm nine. I'm whatever. How old I was? Ten years old. I have to buy a ticket for you. He's like, yeah. Fuck. So, so he'd have records. Like I had like the record collection, you know. And he, I would go shows that I would buy tickets for shows that he actually like enjoyed, like whether it was Cheap Trick or Pink Floyd or ZZ Top, whatever. And so he had all these records, and I was like, cool. My brother's got taste. He's got Steve Miller. He's got the you know, he's got the Cheap Trick. He's got Spyro Driver. That's kind of weird. He's got Tom Scott. Okay, he's got the Cars, and so. And after that, after college, I didn't really, from what I know, he was really into music and he knew what I was doing for a living. And so he never like was into it. And then like two years ago, he called me and I said, what are you doing? He's like, oh, we're going to a concert. You're going to a concert? Like, hey, with you and your wife? He's like, yeah. So well, what are you going to see? He goes, we're going to Atlantic City to see you and Lewis and News. I'm like going, well, golly fucking gee. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Good for you, shitbag. I'm like going of all people, Lou. You and I and I wasn't. I I, I like Huey Lewis. I appreciate who he is, but I was going. That's really how you're coming out of the box. We going to the Huey Lewis show, okay? That's where you're at, huh? How are we even? How are we even related? Right. It's just like so, yeah, dude. So yeah, Louis, Louis, Huey Lewis would be a good story. There's a lot of bands. You're right. You mentioned those. I would do. I would love a documentary on the Bus Boys. Now, who was that? The Black Rock Band in 48 Hours? Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, I saw them. They were like one year in 83. They opened up the entire Stray Cats tour when Stray Cats big, broke that big. And that was the most dynamic freaking show. They're so good. I mean, A, the thing that they're all, they all dress like soda, like like uh, like waiters at Mel's Drive-In, right? Yeah. That's the Bus Boys. And just the play. Well, you know, Victor, who used to be with the Bus Boys, he's now Sammy Hager's guitarist. Uh, Vic, uh, I forgot his last name, but yeah, Vic's been Sammy's yeah. guitarist for like 20 years. Yeah, so he was a guitarist for the, for the Bus Boys. I didn't realize that. Yeah, dude. So it's like they're again, one of those bands is like they were kind of they were Vic like, Johnson? yeah, Vic Johnson. Yeah, so they had uh, but they're like, they, they were, you know, had like three or four albums, and that was it. That was like their, their run was done, you know, they got they made some money from the 48 hours scene. Um, but like, imagine like being a fly on the wall during like the Commodores in their heyday. Like, what was their backstage dressing room like? Oh, dude, yeah. I, 
Dude, oh, speaking of, so if we're going to talk <laughs> Commodores. So I'm like flipping last night, and there's one called Tear the Roof Off. Have you heard, seen this one? It's no. about parlo- Parliament and George Clinton during the 70s. No. And all the Parliament Funkadelic people coming on there and the shit they had to say about what went on and the bad words, the bad things they had to say about George Clinton. Really? Dude, they, he fucked them so hard. He he just died, right? I don't know. I don't know why we just got so quiet. Oh, he just died, right? Like, yeah, she, she. I don't know. Because I sometimes when I go back and listen to this thing, I talk super loud and it, it comes through really loud on the channel. So yep. I'm talking a little lower. Try to I don't. Maybe. I don't, well, I, I, he, I, everyone that's worked for him, I know of, is like, oh, he's a great guy. But it's like, I just think that's a cover. Like he's had. Well, he's no, he might be a great guy now. But during the seventies heyday, when they were doing fifteen thousand a night, and everyone was buying Parliament Connection and all the funkadelic stuff. Yeah, dude, I would, I would love a documentary. Not just you could do an anthropology of anthology, anthropology. What? Well, we'll anthology like bodies. Yeah. I would love to do a 70s breakdown documentary on all those bands, the funk kind of bands, like from Ohio Players to the Gap Band. Uh, to get, dude, just the whole, that whole, I'd love to see like how that all kind of came to be because it like, it's, it didn't come from the Chitlin circuit, like the Motown people, right? Right. It kind of it's a branched out from them. Like, who was booking these bands? Who was signing? Who was in charge of them? You know, who was, who was booking their deals? I would love to know all the, I, dude, I imagine looking the, on the books on those people. Well, you want to talk about some people. You want to talk about labels fucking somebody over. I mean, that's the thing too. It's like if you could actually go back and uh, look at some. I, I bet you there. I bet you these bands, without proper like management, and like even then, got screwed by the millions. Dude, listen. You can watch the Hired Gun and realize how uh, much you watch Hired Gun. You realize how much money Billy Joel was a savvy guy, but didn't realize his manager was taking tens of millions of dollars from him. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's great. Now, imagine being a band who's like George Clinton and Funkadelic in like 78, and you're selling a lot of records, and you're making a lot of concert receipts, but I'm sure those players, like Bootsy and all those guys, probably going, where's the money at? When you get paid. Right. When I get paid. George getting all the money, and he was right. He, one of the girls said he was like writing them like $10 checks. <laughs> <laughs> great week. That's on you. Great That's on run. you, sweetheart. That's on you. So yeah, dude. So um, you know what I really miss is when when VH1 used to show the behind the music series. Yep. That's no longer around. It, it was that was great. I love that one a lot. Storytellers on VH1. Uh, even storytellers was good. I do the storyteller thing, and I also was, what was the other one too, where they would kind of mix and match, like you know Taylor Swift and like uh, Def Leppard would switch out their songs. What was that one called? I know. I, I remember watching those girls. Like, I forgot what that was called. Too. Yeah, some really. Yeah, cool so stuff. yeah. Yeah, there's some great shows like that, but um, yeah, dude, go back to that Chicago. I recommend the Chicago documentary, everyone, even if you're just a passing fancy. But then you realize how freaking big that band was, huge, huge band. I saw them play first time I saw them play. They were playing the Cotton Bowl, headlining over the Beach Boys. And that was '78. Hey, yeah, yeah. What's their What's the big Beach Boys Pet Shop sounds? They just had the anniversary. Uh. Was it that one? Live in America was like just had an anniversary. That was that was a sizable yeah. album for them. But uh, they, they were just in the news recently. I don't know if it was something else. But talking about another band, man, that just hits like those guys. 
<laughs> but the hits were only in the 60s. The hits were never in right, the 60s. Right, but for well, them to be, like, have this longevity, I mean, that's how powerful those songs are, no? Well, it's so powerful that Irving Azoff bought their catalog. Right. Know, or, like, took over their catalog. So Irving, follow, follow the lead. Follow Irving's lead. He guy doesn't really yeah, go wrong. Eagles, Beach Boys. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Did he? Uh, Ticketmaster. Right? Yeah. Van what now? Did no, he was. No, he wasn't a van. I don't think oh. he was in hell. Um, but uh, what were we just talking? about? Oh, the Beach Boys. Yeah. So they they kind of die off in the seventies, even though they they would do those like Fourth of July concerts and they would put them back in like the spring of things. And they had a run, um, just working those surf songs. But obviously, when the eighties come around, they do Kokomo and all that other shit. And then. Aruba. Yeah, but the, the Beach Boys, I mean, there have been so many documentaries. American Band's probably the best one. There's been so many documentaries over them. It's just yeah. like, it feels like you've already kind of seen this story happen. Yeah, yeah, we already know Brian Wilson. Right. Yeah, so. Uh, Ginger Baker, the drummer, great documentary with that guy. Oh, yeah. Beware Mr. Baker. Oh. Where, where he, he smacks the smacks the guy at the end of the thing. <laughs> He's just had enough of it. You son of a biscuit. The hell out of my, who the hell are you? I'm calling the cops. Yeah. Oh, like he's like almost forgot. Then I, then I watched, uh, uh, finding HR over Joseph Israel, the singer for the Bad Brains. Yes, yeah, dude, who just died, right? I don't, I don't know, no, I don't think so. He just died, and that didn't come across my feet. If it did, it'd be, oh. it'd be pretty big news. Because um, they're from DC, right? Yeah, well, they're from New, yeah, they're from DC, and they got banned in DC. Had a good New York well, kind of break. Someone just died from that band. Maybe. It was uh, like, could be Dr. No was having a lot of problems, this the guitar player. Uh, but yeah, dude, so finding him and you realize for that period from like 82 or 80 to 86, 87, that's a pretty long period, there was an untouchable as a frontman. And then you realize, then what happened? What happened that he went just absolutely people send me really crazy, I, whatever. It's just and a whole other thing. So that's a very it's kind of a little bit normal now because he finally married this woman and got help. But still, he lost so much time there where he could have done something. So that's a pretty uh, deflating documentary. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. So what else? What else going on, dude? Not much, man. It's supposed to be 60s here uh, Wednesday, but it's been 20s mm -hmm. the last week and a half. And it'll be 20. It's just so. I, I love the weather, though. Four seasons. Yeah. Speaking of weather, um, so – the guy from the thing. Go ahead, tomorrow. Yeah, what's that guy's name again? Thomas G. Waits. How yeah. in the world did you find him? Oh, I do. I love. I love the movie The Thing. So I don't. Oh I yeah, well, absolutely. That and Warriors, and I'm sure some other I, things. But I, how I, do you I, find him? How I, do you locate that guy? I just reach out. I go through. I just kind of nitpick. He's on his social media. He's on Instagram. I reach out. And I, hey, I like to kind of give me a gist. What's of your what's your, yeah? What's your pitch? Basically, say what, why, what, who I am, what Spirit Talk is, why I started it. This is why I want to talk to you, and this is what the outreach is. Um, and then usually, hey, give me a call, I'll talk you through the process, and kind of whatever. We shoot the shit, and like, man, we we've been talking every other week just about life in general, his work, and friendship with Al Pacino, and how what's that, what's he, he doing now? He has an actor studio in New York City um, that has produced actors and worked with actors through the. Cause he kind of retired after like shakedown in the 90s. He does a ton of Broadway with mm -hmm. Tito and stuff. He writes plays. But his actor studios has done has produced people like Alfred Molita, 
and a bunch of other actors that have gone on to do really prolific stuff. And he, it's just a fascinating story. One of the stories he shares is because he had to say he's born Tom Waits, which is also shared as Tom Waits a singer. Well, they have an interaction uh-huh. one day after a show. They meet, introduce each other. He goes, "Oh, you're the Tom Waits." He does a perfect impersonation of the singer Tom Waits. So that's yeah. why he actually put the G in his name to be different, to not get confused because he would get fan mail and vice versa in the '80s sent to the wrong household. Say, "Hey, I loved you, the thing," in which the wrong Tom Waits. And the Tom Waits would get his letters talking about, "I loved you, the Warriors." So that's kind of yeah. it's just uh, he he's just a really cool guy, man. That just kind of lived in New York, and he's just. Just salt of the earth. Like you can talk to that guy. I talked to that dude. He shares a story. The day they all beat Kurt Russell and everyone, they're on a bus. They said Kurt Russell's just partying. Everyone's got the ear on this old rickety bus going to the filming location. Um, I, I think it was Alaska or wherever they were. But they're going up this mountain. They get stuck in a snowstorm on the way to beat uh, uh, John Carpenter the first time. Mm-hmm. They get stuck in a snowstorm. Bus is about to roll off. Bus a bulbs goes off the highway. Kurt Russell directs everyone to counter their weight to get to the front of the bus to get off the bus safely. So this is all happening. They're all drinking. They're all blitzed out of their minds. They get to the, the filming site. Uh-huh. The bus parks. The driver's exasperated, like, just holy shit. Carpenter's at the bottom of the steps. He greets them all off with, like, fist bumps and, like, a pat on the back saying, thanks to me up here. Time to shoot the movie. And that's how they started shooting the thing. This this bus ride from power where they all could have died in a snowstorm, dude. It just. But then he's like, I go, man, what was it like getting with all these crazy practical effects? He goes, well, here's the thing. You'd have people like Kurt Russell and Wilfred Brimley setting up shop. The stories they were telling catering while they set these these uh, sets up with the makeup and all. This, he goes, he goes that, that you could. It just it, they should have filmed the movie on that movie just the making of. He goes, it's just. It was just a bunch of good old boys having a blast, and so did you have any good stories you could share that you could share now? Yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of just shared some right there where, like, he when he goes off and stuff. Um, like, yeah, did he explain how what it was like to deal with those effects? Oh yeah, he does. He, he talks about all this stuff. He talks about all okay, this stuff. awesome. All right. Yeah, no, it's just like then he talks about um, how his relationship with George Hill or Walter Hill at Warriors how he was so pissed off at the director that he told the director to take me off the billing. He's not on the billing for that movie. He's before that. He wasn't supposed to get killed on the train tracks. He got thrown off his character because Walter Hill was so pissed at the way he was acting on set. Just kill him. Get him off the movie. I'm going to rewrite the movie as we go. Wow. Cause he was, he was basically the streetwise dude that backed the, the backed up the big guy, Michael back back. Yeah. Cause he was, he was the streetwise guy that, Interacts with the orphans like he knows the streets. They killed him because he was. He said, according to Thomas Wade, they buried the hatchet with Walter Hill, but he was such a punk and screw this. Like he was just young, dumb, drinking, partying. He yeah. didn't realize that I don't want my name on the marquee. So when they did the two years ago, the 40th or anniversary, where they all put the vests on, wrote the uh, the transit again with the vet, like the in character, the, the Cootie Island stuff. It was like one of the first times where he kind of had was at peace with the rest of the cast and stuff like. Like, I shouldn't have fucked up like I did. It's, yeah. it's just, uh, but for me, man, growing up, the Warriors and the thing, like, so to get someone like that was in both those movies, yeah, I'm just like. Did you just kind of go, I think I'd love to get that guy, and then you just tracked him down? Yeah, so I, I 
one of the cool things with that is that your process for all these kind of characters yeah, like because so these are not these are not like top of the marquee guys but they they're so intrinsic to what everything you that's like that's why because i i relate to those people and so yeah anyone that had an effect on me growing up that kind of helped my trajectory in my life i want to talk to those people whether it's a character they played or an athlete or a martial artist i loved or a famous boxer that i like with the social media and access now i mean everyone i've reached out to has said yes and i i just locked in like three or four people coming up man they're just like just so out there but they're not like they're just people are gonna be surprised like they're gonna be kind of like how the hell did you just get this guy this guy's on the show gotham uh how'd you get this girl like how'd you get i thought this person was dead like people like that where he's kind of like <laughs> you're just kind of like like i just like if people are like why 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 don't you go i go these are people i want to talk to these are the stories i want to hear and it's all organic and i know a ton about these people where i can ask the questions i want to ask without wasting time on hey when you did that movie with peter weller in the 82 did he really uh throw you in the vat of acid as robocop like no one gives a shit dude but it's just these they have, they have really cool stories man like the flash gordon so just, so let me yeah let me ask you that you asked me earlier how, what's your process about what coming is that i assume that you know so much about that either that film or that actor that you right. don't throw them the typical like right here's the typical 101 question you throw you go way deep into some, so get some substance I try and get enough. I know enough about them where I mean, I'll still go on say internet movie databases to get dates correct, or like mm-hmm. maybe a movie or something, or like where they're from because I can frame the questions, if, especially if I can relate to that area. But right. you have to do some serious digging, man. Like some of these guys, like uh, James Woods, who did the voice of, uh, or uh, James Burns, who did the voice of Frank Woods, iconic game of, or uh, video game for Call of Duty. Uh, like I went so deep down learning about him, dude. Like I, I brought up his old band, Rudder, New York City. He was part of that he never talks about, or the fact he's won a championship in Europe playing hockey. That so I'm asking these guys questions outside of what they normally get, what people know from, which yeah. actually in turn creates like this really cool type of holy shit. You actually did your research here. Yeah, so yeah, that's that, the thing. Yeah, that I mean that's it's, it's just fun, man. Like I just uh, I got some, I got. Uh, because a lot of these people, I, I assume, John, that a lot of these people you talk with, the, the fact that, A, you study them deeply and you have a, a wealth of knowledge about them. And a lot of the times they are kind of like people who are like very on the periphery. They're not marquee people, but they do. They, but, they, but do you sense from them that they're just soaked that there's so much stuff? It's like going, they go to a Comic-Con or whatever, and they're like, the line is, there's sometimes when you go and you see a line for someone, you go, who's that? And then you look at another line, like no one's there. I mean, they must, it must be really fun for them still to, even though they all have successful careers, especially the yeah, waste I mean, guy you're speaking of, right. that, you know, he's not like just living off of that stuff he did in the early no, no, 80s. I mean, these guys are working, man. They're, I mean, Flash Gore became an EP executive protections agent and works in Mexico with safe houses. Like, so these guys all have respectful, respected jobs and careers and yeah. money. Have you, have you ever been turned down? No. Really? Every person I've reached out to, uh, I've reached out to 78 people, and all 78 people said yes. Have you ever had any that have been a little, uh, maybe, 
they weren't on board initially and then they kind of came around to it? There were a couple. They were like, hey, my schedule is really busy. Send me a link. Uh, to who okay. Or show, send me your YouTube page or whatever. And obviously that every episode just gets bigger, bigger. Like I'm going to bump yeah. it for it. I mean, it's every episode just makes it bigger. And so if it's somewhere like, oh, man, I didn't realize it was this big. Oh, this is really cool. Oh, you're, I didn't realize you're on this podcast network in Canada with the Deep Network or oh, you're you have a microphone sponsorship or, oh, wow, you actually, but then they start, what catches me off guard, like Eric from Super Troopers, Broken Lizard, or Sam Jones, they do research on Silver Spear Security or me. Uh-huh. And then they ask me questions, they're like, hey, so I know what you do, like, tell me about, tell me about your job, because I'm fascinated by it. And for me, it kind of catches me off guard. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, wow, like, this is, this is just a, a conversation that's happily being recorded, where we could talk about life and just whatever and for someone that i look up to in the sense where they've made me laugh or made me motivated or they made me cheer and stand up for the national anthem of a sporting event i'm not gonna i'm it kind of catches you off guard right uh-huh. kind of like oh wow that's 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 really cool i mean that's right it's so for me it's just i it's just uh it's fun man like i'm uh i got the 50th episode coming up in may uh I got Sanjay doing this cool first 50 episode kind of recap, mm-hmm. and whatever. Then I have him doing, hey, who's coming next? And I, uh, yeah, the guy, I got I got a guy last night. Um, and I, I don't want to, well, either way, like you're going to recognize him. But the woman goes, he doesn't get a lot of these requests. He doesn't do a lot of press. He doesn't, his, this is his PR I had to reach out to. Uh, but, he likes your approach and the fact that you want to talk about other stuff besides movie roles and uh, whatever. I go, yeah, I, mean, I of course, there's the reason why I reach out because I grew up these certain characters, wherever they portray. She goes, no, she gets it because this will be a really cool talk for him. Like, yeah, let's do it Thursday. I'm just like, man, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just kind of cool. It just started as a learning tool experience, but now it's blown into something really big where it's, hey, man, I, I'm into it. Well, also the presentation, how you market it uh, with basically the, the little short clips and then like the stills is very professional. Yeah, so yeah, they, they're not walking into like some kid in a basement. No, that's like, the one, obviously with you though, too. Like you're the main reason, like one of the big reasons why it's you get out and like, you get creative. Because I think, I don't know, I see a lot of, like, so I'll ask you this. I did the Tour Life podcast uh, with Janine. I think mm-hmm. you're doing. I don't know if we can say you're doing that. No, I did it on. Okay, Friday. so we can say you at least did it. Okay, so mm-hmm. I did that, but I took so pride in being someone else's show that I like that helped her. She sent me the promo, but I took so much pride in showcasing that I was on the show. I had a great time and sharing art and links and stuff. And I think, do you find that other people don't do that when they? It's just weird, right? Like I, like I, I got no. I like, like I said. I mean, we promoted their thing uh, on on this on Scatterbrain. Yeah. And so you're just like, it just like, hey, like check this guys out. I do the same thing. I'm making waves with Honest AF, which is the the Barbrands. Yeah, and yeah. Daniela's thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's important to to we're not in competition with each other. We have to help each other along. And if it's something I like, you definitely want to propose it. But the tour life thing was good because we did talk about. Jeannie was so fascinated with what you and Silver Spear had done as far as like, she's like, I never seen like a security company like have social media presence and like digital marketing and 
So like that, I said, well, that's what helps separate this. this. And I said, I said, you have to understand a lot of this is built because we had a year open to like engage and create these things. And I said, you know, really started with like John creating these really unique relationships with people. And then having these, I told her about the Netflix summer series where we're doing yeah. these things. I said, it was so much fun. And then it just kind of became spear talk, which John was able to like get, you know, make it about security centric and then get all these different personas on there. And I said, and at the end of the day, it just became this thing. And I said, yeah, there's not really much, there's companies that have their websites, but I said, no one's engaging. No one's creating podcasts for the security company. Uh, no one's like actively staying present every day and engaging, whether we get 20 hits or a hundred hits. But um, you share something to ask a question or make people think like, why wouldn't you want to do that if you're a brand, right? Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. Well, it's all changing. I mean, like this is how clients It's also, it's, it's helps your clients find you, you right. know, what's their personality? Who am I hiring? Am I just hiring? Oh, okay. They're in our area. Or they, we got, have you seen these guys? They do this like website and they have this, this spirit talk thing. And occasionally you can watch films and like comment on all these people who are in the film. I'm like that, dude, that's, that would be unique. That not even just for sure. If that was just a brand. Right. That would be unique, but to do it for a security company, we're a service provider. It's it's just you know? weird. I because I did the the Rockcast show, awesome show. Like you should definitely do that one too. Um, I would love to do that. Yeah, I want to definitely get on that one. They've done Ray from Cord Monkey. Um, mm -hmm. I think Barry from Shadows coming up. Uh, but they've done guys from Live. Like they've done they people. I was the first person they did touring that's not musician. Do I blew away everyone's numbers, and. They're, they, we talk all the time now. It's just like they don't understand. We're trying to figure out why my numbers and views. It's like people are more apt to respond to what you're saying than a musician. So that's why I asked you before like, is it because we are like, why does when a musician does PR? And obviously, if you're in the band chord, you got so much other shit going on. Like, you can't focus on one piece of mm -hmm. social media, whereas I can or you could. Because mm -hmm. it's it's worth in that moment then like we don't care about anything else. But how come if taking my mentality, your mentality in a globe like a larger level, if I'm a brand, every piece of press or promo or anything I do for my brand, why would I put hundred percent behind it? And I'm not talking buddy, I'm talking sharing links, talking about it, uh posting about it. I just don't get that mentality where brands don't do that. So I, it's and for me, and whether it's Spear Talk and the audience there, when I post, I do something else, or I'm doing broadcast or Tour Life with Janine or Roadie Free Radio, where are these other groups, things, how come, why are people flocking to me? Is it because I'm sharing it more? Or is uh, it just. I, I, okay, I, here's two, two things. School, two, two thoughts I have. The broadcast, why your numbers did bigger than anyone else, is because, quite honestly, with a lot of musicians, we've heard their story. Okay, so that's, okay, right. We've heard it a lot. And yes, and we still like, listen, if, if there's a musician or like I like or a sports person I like that's going to be on a thing, I will listen to it because there's probably, I'll hear one story I haven't heard yet. Uh, but what I like about like just someone in the business, yeah. and you're in a, you're, and it, you're also showing people like not only you're just in a different business, but you're still within the business, but you're on a different segment. You're the protector of these stars right you're right. you're you're in a, such a different role so at that point people are getting a much farther look behind the curtain than they would with an artist right. you know you're showing an inner work and people want to hear the cool little weird stories the inner workings 
of what's going on. So there's that. People relate more to people who are, are work behind the scenes and a crew, Which, uh, part of the team. Anyone, whether it's someone like you or who, or because uh, JD does the Thriving podcast with one of the dancers from in this moment. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron. And so, like people like that, it's like those are the people I want to hear from. Yeah. It, it, so there, it's just I, there, it's a different perspective to the industry because people want to learn more and more about this industry. We're now they finally have a chance to realize that hey, you can talk to techs or. This security guy for a band I really love is talking. What stories do he have or what insights does he have? Right. So, I mean, like, they would love to hear, like, another story with the guitar player or whatever. But, again, they're going to just hear the same story. And at that point, it's like it never – things don't ever change up that much. So I think that's one school of thought. As far as the other one, dude, I think a lot of big brands, smaller brands, like be it Death Wish or Coffee or whatever, they're way ahead of the curve, man. They have their death podcast. They do social outreach or email blasts. Bigger brands, it's still a new frontier for them. They don't, I don't even know they know how to do it. I don't know how Taco Bell would know how to do a podcast. Who are they going to talk to? Oh, you know, man, I've talked to satisfied customers. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, so I think you got wind up there. Do you got a lot of people who run those corporations who aren't savvy? They're, yeah, it's so big. It's so big that it's just like, it's like, and I can imagine the legalities. I mean, you go, hey, I want to do a podcast. Two days, you're doing it. You're not asking anyone's fucking. You're not talking to legal. Right. You're not there's asking no anyone's like taking baby. Like, yeah, there's no corporate structure or hierarchy to go it? through because yeah, because they don't want to see one of their. Because who would usually run that? Probably one of the underlings, right? right? And the CEO wants to be the run running the show and everything. And then, dude, imagine the editing. Like, well, you can't say this. You can't say that. So, so there's just no. There's no room to move, dude. Independents and smaller companies are fleet of foot. So that's why part of like you can't really come to like big companies and have uh, free reign to come up with these out of the box ideas because it has to go through this channel and chain of command. And usually the end of the chain of command is like, well, we've never done it that way. I'm like, well, you should probably get with with with, with get with it and, and get and become part of what's going on in the world. Right. Um, instead, instead of what they do, we see corporations now more they buckle. They tend to, it's easy for them to buckle to the woke crowd. Let's say the Jeep thing, the new Jeep thing with the Cherokees trying to get. So I'm like, really? I'm like, so it's like, you'd rather just kind of come up with a way instead of addressing this and why you chose this name that's been around forever. Now it's honoring basically Cherokees were known as being fleet of foot in the mountains and getting across hard terrain. That's what a fucking Jeep does. You're honoring the name. You're not taking away from it. Right. You know, so it's just like. So why don't you put that out there instead of just canceling it? See, they just do what's easy, dudes. And, and creating a new paradigm like podcasts or more interaction with IG or TikTok or whatever, or, dude, the new one, Clubhouse, we're going to get in that, dude. we got to have a security room for Clubhouse. This thing's blowing up. I'm Once we get in, it. I'm into it. I invited you. you have you joined that, hit that invite? Have you accepted the invite yet? No, I opened it, but I haven't said I've been dying to get with it. Get involved, dude, because there's so many great rooms that A you would love, and plus be able to go into a room and go, I'm gonna talk, and you can get engaged in that conversation. But we can create our own rooms. Hey, tour security. You know how many people come into that dude and start listening? It's one of those things that's gonna destroy Twitter, thank God. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, I'm into it, dude. Yeah, dude. It's I mean, just to create a tour tour security. There's always there's tons of tour. Uh, discussions going on there with some really smart people, some dumb people too, some very smart people. But if you go in there and create, like, it doesn't have to be Silver Spear, it can be or tour security, you know, presented by Silver Spear or whatever, however you want to play it, and just talk about the the new the new paradigm or like what it takes to be a security people or what, what are we seeing it. 
it'd be really good to have that channel of communication between all these different camps because yeah, eventually you're going to tour together. I love it, man. I, yeah. So dude, so, so back to that. So these brands, they're just so archaic. They just aren't with it yet. They have these massive departments. We have this marketing department. It's just like, well, who's, you know, it's like too many cooks in the kitchen situation instead of just one or two very bright people or people who are willing to take chances. Um, you probably have to run some beta for a while and it's just, it's too much. Right. Um, so that's why I think you just, it's a lot of red tape for, so a lot of brands can't do what we do as far as like just a wild hair. Out. Dude, we're like the wild west back in the day when what was thought stupid or like inconceivable back then is now, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it's Apple and Amazon these days. Oh, you want to have an online book company? What are you talking about? No one reads anymore. 20 years later, it's worth a trillion dollars, you know? So right. I'm just saying it's like, you know, it's like, you know, was it fortune favors the bold? Yep. Yeah. So I think it's just that, dude. And we'll, at some point, we'll, 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 we'll shift out again. We'll, you know, continue growing Spear Talk and you've got Spear Training now. And I, I got to talk with you about that. I didn't realize that page is alive. And then, and we'll just continue to always post with that and like feed it into, uh, uh, spirit well do silver spirit feed that into facebook and then get involved in clubhouse we'll just keep growing these things you got merch coming out it's like no security you have to treat security we're serious about the security business but we're also a brand and we want to sit there and, and celebrate our brand and get other people involved and get them asking questions and the client feels good knowing that they have a name brand well, well, for me i've always a lot of people are like oh how could you work with someone who's has the same background as you, why couldn't I? I want the best. And so if my brand yeah. is to produce the best, why would I want to work with the best? Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, what happened is like, we have to get over this philosophy of like, I have to look over my shoulder, make sure the new, the new hotshot or the new person in there is not going to better me, right? I'm like, you, if you don't want to look bad, get better. Yeah, stop being a bitch. Stop, just stop being a fucking bitch. No disrespect to bitches out there, but stop being a bitch. Hey, before I let you go. Okay. Uh, the my heritage, the video you posted of your mom with that technology, amazing, crazy dude. It's so okay. So I posted a couple, two different ones of her. I got one of my grandfather and my father, and then I did one of my mom's best friend that I sent to her. She's in England. I don't even know if she knows that. Open it up and look at it. She may have a fucking heart attack when she sees it. I just hope not. She might go fucking a. This is oh. where we're at. It's dude, it, it's wonderful in that application. AI scares the fuck out of me. Oh, deep fake. Dude, that's, dude, dude, that is rudimentary, like charming stuff right there. But you start putting it into how they want it because nefarious motherfuckers get hold of this. This is created for nefarious reasons, quite honestly. Let's be honest. Right. Especially when everyone's wearing a mask now. But let's just free raid, baby. God's sake. So, but dude, yeah. So to see that, so. When I first learned of it and, and put it into the thing, and then it, you know, a couple of photos wouldn't take, and I said, "Well, this is gonna suck." The music and then what? Was oh, that, well, that I, was yeah, I had the music. I, yeah. yeah, I always had the music because that's like again, that was a song I used to sing to her because uh, it told her story. Because ELO's from where my mom's from. Anyway, so when it first the first reel came through and it and analyzed it, and then took a minute to do it and. I cried like a fucking, like, the, it just came, man. Like, I'm just crying my ass off because it's, like, not out of, like, anything other than sheer joy. But the funny thing is, it's not like a picture of my mom when I knew her. This is when she was a younger, this is a young woman. But I see the life in her, 
And it's it's always, you know, you always go, we always see photos of our grandparents or our parents when they were young and vibrant. And they were like, you know, being 19 and 1949 was like being 50 these days, right? You had to be on top of your game. You're already a big, a grown adult, you know? And so to see that as a younger woman, like vivacious and getting her passport, like I can imagine what's going through her mind, but just to see it blew me away. And my dad, when he was much younger, was like 14 in that photo. That's just fun. That's fun with him, but I can still see my dad's eyes. You know, my I can see my brother and my my nephew and my dad's face, and then my grandfather. That one almost hit me the most because I could see as a a, a young man going off to war. Right, he's about to get ready to head off on the ship and go overseas to go fight in Germany, right. fight in France, and just so that meant a lot. Um, yeah, dude, it, it was just one of those things. And I saw a few people like taking advantage of this way and like looking at their grandparents and thing. And this, I think a lot of hearts were moved when we needed it. I mean, there, there really couldn't come a better time for that kind of thing to happen that we can just kind of look back on things. And yeah, dude, uh, have you tried it with any of your family? No, we weren't talking about it because we saw some good ones. Um, but yeah, I, I just, like, like you said, like that technology, like what used properly, like for good, that's just cool, man. Cause for me, like I'm on TikTok, not as a, but just because I get not, I don't say I'm on TikTok, but I follow. You look at these videos and people were posting it, and some of the really cool ones were like the parents, the kids that lost their parents when they're really super young and don't remember their grandparents or their yeah. parents, and their yeah. reaction videos to seeing it like that. It just because I mean that maybe that's the lat, maybe that's the sense of hope that person needed to kind of bring that, whatever that split second, uh, glimmer. It's just kind of cool, man. Like I saw you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it blew me away, but it's so funny. I sent him my nephew. I goes, "Here's your grandmother. If you've never seen her," and he was like, "What the?" That was it. And I sent him my brother, and him. You know, it's like he was like, "Oh, that's cool." No reaction out of him. Like it's, you know, yeah, like it's weird, man. Like I, I it, it says some people don't know how to. They don't know how to. They don't know how to do it. I think I got more like for years, obviously, because I know you and I know your love of your mom. Like the last year, like well, it was the last yeah. year of my life too. Yeah. But like, so I felt like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like here she is. She's kicking ass. She's here to fucking slap someone right now. And uh, it's just kind of because I have that attachment to her through you, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you wouldn't have a good reaction to videos like that. Some people just emotionally. Kind I mean, of- if you're bringing back Hitler. Uh, okay, like, what are you doing? But yeah, no. React to fucking. But it's uh, some people just have a different emotional level on how they react to things. I think sometimes people are like scared. Yeah, I think I think more than anything, he was scared by it. I think he's right. just kind of like because obviously, no, I don't give too much. But him and my mother had a very yeah a little weird like tumultuous relationship. Too close, too close, but yet so far apart. And then I sent one of my dad and him and my dad worshiped, you know, worship one another. Um, and I never got a response on his reaction. Again, I think I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm thinking, who, who are you? How do I have all this like emotion about these things? And you're just kind of like, eh, what's for dinner? Right. I, so I was like, you know what, whatever. Some people get it. Some people don't. I just, I have those pictures on my phone. Now I have the videos and I'll occasionally click on them when I need a little boost up or if I'm feeling it and just do it. Uh, it's not something I will mess with too much. I, there's a few photos I want to do um, of some stuff, but I, I'm not going to mess with too much because it's uh, it gets a little too. When do you cross that line? Right. Like I want to reanimate all my past life, 
but again, the best part I like about it is like these aren't when my parents were alive. These are my parents before I was even a thought in their head, which is makes it super cool. Right. I want to see what they would have looked like without me involved. So yeah, and it's 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 that's what's great about it. I love it because I love to do back then. They used to use medium, like you know, the film. You know, you get these where people used to do portraits, right? You know, and it's just that you get a good, clear, wonderfully. Uh, detailed photo and it's easy for the 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 mechanism of the the my heritage to, to read the face and do something with it nowadays there's you people try to load a digital picture it's like they can't read it properly and it comes twisted and warped and stuff like that's like that's when it starts getting freaky like i see some people post them i'm like why are their eyes all googly and stuff it doesn't even look anywhere none of this looks natural but that looks really bizarre like right. take that down it's freaking me out <laughs> So yeah, dude. There you wow. go. Yes. Yeah. So this was uh, a uh, this was a great episode. This was very informative. We talked about all kinds of stish. But yeah, dude, it's good. It's good. Um, we'll uh, we'll uh, let's try to pull a guest in for whatever number six will be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, amigo. Listen, right. Uh, we'll touch base. I'm gonna get these courses done, and we'll uh, we'll just keep pushing each other to to uh, do more and more. Yep. Love it. Talk to you soon. All right, dude. Yep. All right. Take.